Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're going to actually revisit the ghost of San Antonio. As our listeners know, we, the pan and I, due to family reasons, had an opportunity to actually visit San Antonio, which was a first for the both of us. And now that some time has passed and I've had some opportunity to ponder our visit from last November... I wanted to discuss our trip and expand on some of the ghostly places that you can stay, as well as discuss a few other interesting topics we've kind of learned along the way. But I'll begin with our first meal in Texas. Well, because I love food, you love food, and let's just be honest, we all food for food. So, our very first meal in San Antonio was actually a TripAdvisor recommendation. It scores number two on San Antonio's restaurant list. I am speaking, of course, of Chamaguacho, the Brazilian steakhouse. Now, I had never been to a steakhouse prior, and I have to say, this place was pretty amazing. Absolutely amazing. The food was delicious, the service was divine, and it was the perfect welcome to a place I'd never been before. Now, our second favorite place to eat, and please know that this was a very close second. It was a French restaurant located at the Pearl. Now, the Pearl is an area that was once the factory that made Pearl the beer. The area itself was reconstructed and revamped into this nook of fun, festive places of food, new apartments, and a general place of mingling for those looking to enjoy a night out, some fresh air, and, uh, I mean, everybody has a dog there, so walk their dogs. And conveniently, this place is actually near part of the Riverwalk, the famous Riverwalk of San Antonio. As for this amazing French restaurant, I'm, of course, speaking of Montchuchu, and this place was perfect. Now... I do actually consider myself a French onion soup connoisseur. And so, needless to say, trying their French onion soup was high on my priority. And it was excellent. I, for my main meal, ended up ordering the salmon and some, well, Belgium fries, French fries, fries. And that, too, was amazing. Now, husband Jeff, he had the beef version off. And it was, I mean, this place was amazing. It had this nice cream aura color to it. And everybody was just just on their A game in terms of class, in terms of staff, in terms of service. Now, believe it or not, another wonderful place that we did end up eating at was a chain steak restaurant. 
Now, I personally do not actually favor a lot of chain steak restaurants, houses. I just think, on average, they serve subpar food. They have subpar sides and your basic overpriced alcohol. Needless to say, I was quite surprised by a place called Saltgrass Steakhouse. I thoroughly enjoyed my meal. I thought it was nice. The, the, the meat was perfect, and the sides were perfect, and I did actually enjoy myself a glass of wine. So if you are in the Texas area, because this is actually a chain, and definitely in the San Antonio area, and you're just craving a nice, fat-ass, juicy steak... I do actually recommend trying this place. Now, of course, while we were there, we naturally checked out the Alamo. And everyone kind of comments on how small it is. I didn't really feel that it was small. It wasn't as big, but it, I wasn't disappointed in its size. And I was actually kind of surprised to the state because I was kind of anticipating kind of more of a decrepit situation and I didn't find that to be truthful. They were working on, you know, preservation and I didn't find it to be in a, a derelict state that I was actually kind of a little worried about. Like, are we just holding on to something that's just wants to die or <laughs> what have you? But no, it was fine. I was actually quite pleased. And Apparently, there's a thing, a Pee Wee Herman thing about the basement. Well, just so we're clear, apparently the Alamo does actually have two basements, though I did not see either one of them. What I did see, though, was on the grounds, the Alamo has amazing oak trees with these thick reaching branches and these lovely arches of these exterior walls. And you just kind of walk around and... It's a place of solemnness, and it's a place where people died defending it several times on both sides of each war, several wars. Native Americans, Americans, Texans, Mexicans, everybody. A lot of blood has been shed on the soil. And you can kind of almost feel a sense of heaviness, but sadly, I did not see any ghosts. Now, let's talk about the Spanish Governor's Palace. This was a place that I did actually have an opportunity to see on a ghost tour. It is located behind City Hall, and this building has to be one of the most oldest existing buildings in San Antonio. It was actually commissioned for construction by King Philip V of Spain, and there's some conflicting information regarding when it was actually completed, but when it was completed, it functioned as the office and the residence of the captains of the entire, what they called a presidio, the palace. By the 1760s, so we're talking even before the American Revolution, this building existed. The presidio was in charge of the defense of the five local missions of the area, as well as the villa of San Fernando de Bihar. And it also supplied guards for the missionaries and other important dignitaries of Spain. So basically this presidio, this palace was considered a stronghold for the entire area. Now as the presidio, just to be clear, it actually never housed any Spanish governors, but again, it did house 
many Spanish captains. So as the most prominent building and place of authority, it definitely exercised its strength over such matters as the law and some justice. And by justice, I do actually mean just that. In the courtyard behind the main building, approximately 35 people were hung for their crimes. And this is just one example of the type of deaths that actually transpire on this parcel of land. This site, again, just like the Alamo, was the site of bloodshed and battles. And again, Native Americans attacking and raiding and, you know, everybody's fighting. And, you know, it's kind of like everybody was Kung Fu fighting kind of scenario. And as... The city grew as Texas changed hands, as, you know, history took its course. This building would also change its place. Eventually, it stopped being the palace for quote-unquote governors, and it became at some time in its history a tavern that sold nickel beer. It was a produce market. It was a tailor shop. It was a pawn shop. It was a school even. And a clothier. Now, in the 1920s, because again, I mean, this is probably one of the longest standing buildings in San Antonio. By the 1920s, it was not looking so good, okay? You know, in the course of 260 years, nobody's looking good, especially this building. However, thanks to the efforts of Adina Amelia de Zavala, the building itself gets its makeover. And she fights for recognition of its historic importance. And it is. I mean, you're talking a building that, again, has been there longer than the state of this nation being in existence. However, during the 1920s, during this time, rumors of the building being haunted began to float around. And, of course, this makes sense because any ghost hunter will tell you once you start construction or reconstruction, you kick up paranormal activity so during the construction or reconstruction because it tends to unearth dead and buried secrets and skeletons as such the case as they even happened to find or rumored to have found infant bones in the wall of a private chapel in the building again you're just stirring up you're stirring up ghost shit basically i mean there's no other way to put it and Part of what started happening was people started seeing apparitions of Native American people standing out on the outer walls. They have seen apparitions of colonial Spanish people. And people who have stood near or on the property themselves have felt cold spots. And, I mean, to the point where even the hairs on the back of their arms and necks would stand up. And that just, that overwhelming sensation that you are not alone, something's with you, and your body reacts to it. Now, one of the most haunted parts of the Spanish governor's palace is actually the old patio, the original patio, at the rear of the building. And, you know, looking at the history, this obviously makes sense because this is the area with the hanging tree, a.k.a. also known as the Tree of Sorrows. Now, remember what I said earlier how as a place of you know law and and authority and execution this obviously would be the place where the criminals having been judged and tried would definitely be punished 
And as I said previously, at least at least 35 people were hung here at this particular hanging tree of sorrow tree. And with regards to the tree, there are some who claim that they can actually still see the marks from the tightened rope and the marks of the rope being etched into the actual bark of the trees. And with regards to the criminals who were hung, visitors of the palace have reported seeing images of these criminals hanging, like they're dancing in the wind, like they're basically reliving their death scenes over and over again. Even paranormal investigators who were invited or asked to explore the old Presidio have stated themselves that they believe that the criminals have yet to move on. And again, one of their strong sources of evidence is the multiple orbs that tend to float around the tree of sorrow. Now being honest, I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to orbs as paranormal evidence. I think in some rare cases, orbs can be legit, but for the most part, I think there are more specks of dust, but I'm an amateur ghost hunter and I've had very little experiences with orbs. So that does put me on the fence and it doesn't really give me a whole lot of credence anyways. Either way, the hanging figures are not the only paranormal sightings in this palace. It is believed that children haunt the building as well. In one of the bedrooms, there's the spirit of a little girl they don't know who she is, but visitors of the museum have commented that they feel this incredible cold upon entering this particular bedroom. And besides the cold spot, many have reported the sensation that they are being watched whilst in this room. Now, good news, bad news, doesn't matter. It is also believed that she simply remains solely in this bedroom. In addition to the girl's in the bedroom, the ghost of another young girl has been spotted in the well of the courtyard. This young lady is believed to be related to one of the prior governors who visited the Presidio. Again, remember, no governors actually stayed here, the, just the captains, but they did visit. Dignitaries did visit. However, sadly, as she was wandering about the courtyard, curiosity got the best of her, and she decided to inspect the well. Well, apparently she leaned over the edge of the well and basically lost her grip and fell to her death in the well. Now, supposedly her body was recovered, but curious enough, it has actually been said that her little body has been interred in the wall surrounding the well itself. Again, these are things that these have been said. I don't know if there's been actual documentation, and or they have found actual physical evidence. Either way, people have reported seeing a young, dark-haired girl sitting on the wall of this well, weeping. Now, this little girl's death was innocent and an accident. However, on one particular night, a band of thieves broke into the Presidio and began robbing the palace. The robbers came across a different young lady and... In order to prevent her from identifying them later, they hogtie her at her wrists and her ankles and they toss her over the side of the well. And the well at that time was 37 feet in length. So the girl basically plummets 37 feet to her death. Being tied like a hog, she drowns. 
And her death actually would have gone unnoticed if one of the robbers didn't have a guilty conscience about her murder and confessed to her death and where her body was located. Now, probably due to her unfortunate and untimely death, a custodian of the Spanish palace has reported hearing noises of basically like a gurgling or water bubbling up the well, which does not make any sense because it's a well, you know. But even in times when he has to go down there to clean out the well, because when people toss coins down the well and make their wishes... It's always a very uncomfortable situation for him simply because because of the deaths associated with this well. Now, it's not just young girls who haunt this palace. There is a spirit known as the ghost of the Lady in Grey. Legend has it that she was once an unexpected visitor of one of the Spanish captains who not only showed up unannounced, uh, because of that, I think, she also died very mysteriously that night and basically now haunts the building because of her untimely murder, would be my guess. And it is said that people standing outside the building taking pictures inside have even captured apparitions of the otherwise closed and empty building. And such was the case of the ghost tour that we were on. Our tour guide had a picture of an apparition that one of her previous guests had taken, and yes actually can see the image of a woman sporting what looks like colonial style clothing in the picture. So, I mean, it does actually give credence, but it was, I mean, you can walk by it, you can see, and thanks to the, the reconstruction and revamping of the building, they had actually even put in furniture of the time period. So it was very interesting. I do actually kind of recommend checking it out if you, especially if you're a history buff and you know are interested in seeing how people lived in the past. Now, besides ghosts, interestingly enough, San Antonio has a very interesting cryptid maybe, emulated spectral perhaps, but your basic urban legend that is still going strong today. I don't know what to call her, but the locals refer to her as the Donkey Lady. Her origins have been circling the area since perhaps the 1800s, but maybe more recently as the 1960s. Either way, her urban legend has been around long enough that there are actually very various versions of her story. One version is that a farmer living with his family on their farm on the outsets of San Antonio decided to set fire to his house, murdering his children, but not his wife. She was left horribly disfigured with her fingers basically melted down to stumps, essentially creating like hoof-like appendages, and the skin on her face was burned and her face became so distorted and deformed that it basically created this elongated donkey-like appearance. Another version is that a perfect stranger actually caused this particular fire that killed her husband and the children and created this deformality to her. But And then like another version is that this spoiled-ass aristocrat caused 
a fire, killing the husband, killing her children, and leaving her disfigured. So, I mean, there's just various, various stories as to how and why this woman is disfigured. But prime, primarily, she is essentially grieving the loss of her children and possibly the betrayal of her husband, i.e. killing her children, to the point where she is now wandering and haunting the Elm Creek and torments those who try to cross it on this particular bridge located on Jet Road and Loop 1604, located in South San Antonio. Now, those who have gone to this particular bridge have reported the feeling of being watched, while others have claimed to have seen something out there. Others have claimed to hear the sound of rushing hoof claps around them, like she's galloping around them. But also, people have reported hearing horrible screeching, and the screeching is reportedly coming either from under the bridge or in the surrounding woods of this particular area. In addition to this, some people who even claimed seeing the donkey lady screaming at them as they're in their car, like looking around to see if she's actually there, screaming at them at the window and would later find like hoof-like indentations in their car. But above all, there's this story of a man who was camping in the area uh, with his two sons and he kept hearing like these strange noises basically circling the campsite. And so he decided to get out of the area. And as he was leaving, the donkey lady supposedly jumped on the hood of his car. And he was so frightened, he actually ended up driving to the nearest police station to report the incident. And the, and the crazy part is, is the man is not alone in this claim. Other people have reported that he, she, donkey, it have attacked other people's vehicles and the donkey lady, you know, drops on the hood of their car and is screaming loudly and scratching and clawing at the windows and attempting to get at them. And supposedly, reportedly, allegedly, as the panda would say, there are even photographs of the damage she supposedly has caused to their vehicles. Again, if you're interested, Urban Legends are your is your bread and butter jam. It is said that if you park either near the bridge, because I think the bridge is cut off now, but park near the bridge, shut off your headlights, and if you just sit there, you're almost guaranteed to experience something truly horrifying. However, I have read where it has been said that the best way to get her real attention is by honking your horn. Now as strange as it sounds because like I said I don't I'm not sure how to frame this urban legend cryptoid he she donkey it I don't I don't know because this particular situation actually has a very curious twist this urban legend donkey lady scenario has her own hotline and this is actually even been featured on San Antonio, Texas news. And you can call her number and I don't know if she'll answer if it's a recording, but if you're curious or interested, jot this down. Area code 210-960-3826. Again, 210-960-3826. So, 
lots of hot spots, lots of interesting things to check out. Now, let's talk hotels. While walking around the area of the Alamo, you really can't help but notice the Crockett Hotel. And the name, of course, is directly related to Davy Crockett. Built in 1909, it was built on the grounds of the Alamo Battlefield. And as such, it is believed that this hotel is haunted by the ghosts of the soldiers who met their fate during that bloody 13-day siege in February-March of 1836. Besides operating as a hotel, it is also operated as a fraternity lodge. Either way, let's talk about what is haunting this place besides those who died at the Alamo. Well, there's the ghost of the woman who was the victim of a murder-suicide. After checking into the hotel with her husband, her husband killed both of them with a shotgun. As a result of the nature of her death, the woman has been seen in a bloody dress wandering the hotel's hallways. And it is said that if she sees anyone, she will scream or cry out to them. Now, besides her ghostly apparitions, faint whispers have been heard throughout the hotel. People have had experiences with cold spots, Disembodied footsteps are often heard in rooms in the middle of the night, and curtains have been known to move on their own. In addition to all of this, guests have reported the sounds of this curious, unpleasant chanting. There's the sounds of trotting of horse hooves, and elevators have this curious thing where they like to operate on their own accord, go up and down as they see fit, opening on floors that guests didn't want them to stop at. But I, know, I always kind of thought op- elevators kind of did that by themselves anyways. I thought they were always functioning on their own agenda. However, the most active area actually seems to be the lobby, the bar, and a few of the guest rooms. Now, in the lobby, the front door tends to open and shut by itself. And there is the apparition of a man in a dark blue jacket, kind of like maybe the ones worn by the soldiers at the Alamo. And he just seems to wander about and guests and staff alike have reported seeing him. In addition to all of this, what I actually found to be super cool about this particular hotel, the Crockett transforms the 13th floor of the hotel into a haunted house in the month of October. Now, moving on to the St. Anthony Hotel. Construction began in 1909 by three cattle ranchers who wanted to create a luxury hotel as a draw to attract wealthy tourists to the growing city of San Antonio. And it really sounds as if they spared no expense. So, we're talking the guest room. And remember, this is 1909. The guest room were equipped with telephones, actual telephones. Nowadays, people lose their shit if there's no Wi-Fi. But this all started with the landlines, okay? There was automatic electric lighting, and they had the luxury of their private baths. Because in most hotels, you had to share a bath with some nasty-ass, burly-looking fella. Who knows what he was doing before he got to the bathroom there. So the idea of having hot, warm water in your own, your own privacy, if you will, was extremely appealing again uh, 1909 these luxuries were generally unheard of 
As for the booze situation, again, being in 1909, we're talking Prohibition. Even up to the 1930s, after the end of Prohibition, selling alcohol by the drink was still illegal in public places in the state of Texas. As a way to get around this, the hotel created this St. Anthony Club, which was an invitation-only lounge. And as such, they were able to provide their members of this club with drinks, alcoholic drinks, with their meals. And to continue its luxurious appeal, they even managed when air conditioning became available, to have massive air conditioning put in, making it the first centrally air-conditioned hotel in the world. So a little bit of history there. And because of all of these amenities and luxurious technology, if you will, the famous and the wealthy came a-knockin'. And we're talking the original It Girl, Clara Bow. Lucia Ball, Julie Garland, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Jane Russell, Olivia de Havilland, who, in case you don't know, was the beautiful, lovely lady in Gone with the Wind. She played opposite of Vivian Leigh, but she was also Miss Maid Marian in The Adventures of Robin Hood. But more recently, we're talking Goldie Hawn, George Clooney. And if that's not enough, even presidents of the United States have stayed there. We're talking Franklin with his lady, Lady Eleanor, as well as Dwight Eisenhower. Now, clearly, after being in operation over 100 years, it does have a few ghosts. One pair of ghosts that staff and guests alike find to be the most irritating is actually a young ghostly couple who like to squat in empty but rented guest rooms. So... When the live guests return to their rooms, they stumble upon these full-body apparitions and they see them, these this ghost couple, basically embracing, sipping their drinks and just having their own party get offended by the living interrupting their precious time. And I mean, it's gotten to the point where even guests have been known to call the front desk complaining about these unwanted, un, unalive, dead people in their rooms. Now, oddly enough, even though it's a recent addition, it's the 10th floor that seems to have the most activity. So who's being the ghastly ghost on the 10th floor? Well, we'll start with the man with the cricket toupee. This guy apparently likes to cause problems for the living. He's like, he's hanging around just to be a mofo jerk. Tall in nature, this spirit sport a shabby black suit with a belt. Now, crooked toupee guy, when he's in good mood, he may share your elevator ride up to his floor. But he'll like to, like, tap you on your shoulder before just vanishing into thin air. So he likes to play that little game. But when he wants to be a shit disturber, he will walk the hallways in the early hours, slapping his belt loudly against the guest's doors. So this mofo takes his belt and she starts whacking it like he is the early wake-up call guy, but nobody asked him to be. And in addition to this, when he's feeling McChilly, he will basically create this icy chill throughout the entire floor. So he's just like, I've got the power and I'm going to use it, so don't play with me. 
In addition to Crooked Toupee Guy, there is the Lady of Lavender. She has never been seen, but she does alert people to her presence, her invisible presence, by her lavender fragrance. Her place of preference is actually the hotel library. And not only is she a reader, because apparently she likes to read, she will borrow books and she will rearrange books as well as turn the lights on and off and give guests in the library the distinct impression that somebody is reading over their shoulders. Now, unlike the invisible Lady of Lavender, there is the Lady in Red. This lady can be seen And when she is seen, she is wearing an elegant red sheath dress and stockings. And while she has been known to be seen throughout the hotel, her main place of business is usually entering the ground floor women's bathroom, rushing into one of the stalls and disappearing without a trace. Who she is, no one is certain, but legend has it that she had hurried out of a party because she was all dolled up early due to not feeling well and basically ended up dying of a heart attack in the bathroom and was not found for several hours. So she might be a little pissed that that was her unfortunate end game there. But fake hair guy and these ladies are not alone. Bellmen have heard footsteps and have seen a tall man in a dark suit riding elevators, which actually could be fake hair guy. Another place of activity is actually the men's locker room. Here, people have seen shadow figures, ghostly outlines, and heard everything from footsteps to the sound of someone washing their hands when nobody else is around. So ghosts apparently don't like poo-poo hands either, which is, let's be honest, a good thing. (laughs) Either way, I cannot check out of this hotel without talking about their most famous ghostly guest Walter Emmerich remember him my darlings from our first San Antonio episode he was the butcher the grinder Walter B. Grinding who slaughtered a woman at the Gunter Hotel in 1965 and then proceeded to grind her body with a meat grinder in the bathroom and after he did that he shoved all of her grind up body parts in both the tub and the toilet and then on the day he was supposed to check out, the maid walks in on this bloodbath. The blood's all over, dripping from the ceiling, and he shushes her when she screams. Well, when he made his escape from this bloodbath, literally, I mean, if the term does not come from this scenario, I don't know which scenario it comes from. But when he makes his escape, he actually makes his way to this hotel, the St. Anthony. And when he gets there, Like in the story I shared previously, he demanded room 636, which was the same room he had at the Gunter. And, of course, he got all crazy when the hotel peeps were like, that one's already rented. So he settled for room 536. And, again, when the police catch up to him, they catch up to him at this particular hotel. And before they can even get to him, old Walter shot himself in the head when the police came a-knocking. And as a result, good old Walter is still hanging about, despite the fact that the original room, the original 536 room has actually been split in two. And just like the scenario that's happening to the unfortunate woman at the Gunter Hotel, Walter is still hanging out in this both of the rooms, just basically 
there probably waiting to share his story or relive or, you know, who knows, but he's there visiting the living. Now, the last hotel of the night, and this one's a doozy, is the Emily Morgan Hotel. And while in Texas, I did have the opportunity to go into the Emily Morgan. I did not stay there. It was a very nice hotel. But if you know which way is north, that is the reason why I went in there. And again, it was a very nice hotel. Very simple. On the outside, though, it's kind of got, it's, a, it's an older hotel. It's very tall, and it's got a very striking structure. It's almost kind of like a weird triangle from where I was standing. Anyways, originally built as a medical center, as a hospital, where they had mentally ill patients, and they, they conducted surgeries there. This building was constructed in the goth style designed by Ralph Cameron, and he actually included terracotta gargoyles that lined the wall of this building, each one depicting a different ailment. So, I mean, this was totally geared to be a medical center to help people. Now, in 1976, which was a good year for America, the building was converted into a modern office building, but in 1984 was renovated once again, and this time it was renovated to be the hotel that we see today. Now, if you are hoping for a paranormal experience, you actually have several floors to choose from. Again, this was a place where mentally ill people lived and you know surgeries happened. Starting on the third floor, people have heard the sounds of a woman singing. More specifically, there was an incident where this particular woman was asleep and she felt someone get into bed with her. And when she, when the woman looked over, she saw that a young girl was sitting at the foot of the bed. The young girl started singing. And when the guests saw her sitting at the foot of the bed, the young girl asked the guest lady if she would like to sing along. And apparently this happened the following night as well. However, this time when it felt like someone had gotten into bed with her, the guest even noticed the impression in the bed, like as if someone was sitting in there. And on both occasions, the guest had reported a very sudden drop in temperature. So the room got very, very cold. And I mean, this is not the only time that this happened. Like I said, guests have heard the sounds of singing. But another guest staying on the third floor experienced the sound of the singing to the point where not only did she wake up, but so did her son. So a lot of a lot of singing on floor three. Moving up of the elevator to the seventh floor, guests and staff alike have often seen dark shaped human figures walking around. So it kind of sounds like potentially shadow figures, dark entities. And they are said to walk through walls, walk through doors. And in one instance, a family staying in one of the rooms on the seventh floor was actually woken up one night when all of the electrical equipment turned on on its own, followed by a dark shape basically cutting through the room and going out 
through one of the walls. So it's like this dark entity was like, let there be light. And bam, it happened as he was exiting their room. Moving on up the elevator, the ninth floor. On the ninth floor, people have reported strange things as like things actually moving. So we're talking wine bottles sliding off tables and their toilet seats being lifted and dropping, like making the banging sounds in the middle of the night and curious sounds from otherwise unoccupied rooms. So like what's making that noise? There's nobody in there scenario. Moving up to the 11th floor. Now the 11th floor has the most frequent sightings and we are talking actually about the apparition of an elderly woman in a hospital gown who was seen to walk the hallways. And on occasion, it's been reported that people will see her crying. People will see her walk through walls, walk through doors. And people also report the sound of what they relate to as hospital gurneys being wheeled down the hallway outside their rooms in the middle of the night. And when they're like, what the hell is that? Why does it sound like a hospital gurney going down the hallway? They'll open their doors and nothing is in the hallway. Now, the 12th floor is a curious floor going up one floor. That was actually the floor used for the operations. Again, when it was a hospital. And people often report unexplainable noises. They have phantom smells such as the smell of alcohol, and people have reported being touched by invisible hands. Now, just like the St. Anthony, the elevators seem to operate on their own as well. The thing about the Emily, though, the Emily Morgan, supposedly because of all the weird activity, the operator or the elevators operating on their own accord, the wires have actually been inspected and have found no fault with them. So they're not really sure why it is or how it is. But apparently the elevators persistently go to the sixth to the seventh floor and back again. So they like to go back up and down to those two floors. And sometimes it'll even take you to the basement, which was once used as the morgue. And even though people are calling for the elevator, once down there, sometimes the elevators will refuse to move. As for people who are in the actual elevators, some of them have reported the sensation of like cold spots. There's also been reports of the phantom smells of medicine. And there's even been reports of people who are in the elevator. And when the elevator opens up, they are confronted with a scene from the hospital. So basically as if stepping back in time and seeing the past as it once was. In addition to all this and throughout the entire hotel, People have also had their doors open and closed on their own. So guests are like, who who the fuck just did that? And then they close by themselves. Lights will start flickering. And it's been reported that spirits of nurses will also suddenly appear. So, I mean, the Emily Morgan just really, I mean, floor after floor after floor just seems to be having its own afterlife party going on right there. Now, it is actually right next to the Alamo. I mean, it's literally right across the street. And just like many of the other hotels in the area, they have reported seeing the apparitions of both 
Texans and Mexican soldiers wandering, especially in the middle of the night on the grounds, you know, especially in the area immediate of the Alamo. So there you have it. You have all these wonderful and ornate hotels to choose from. You have the option of, you know, going back to our previous episode, you have the Devil's Bridge, you have the Donkey Ladies Bridge, you have the Ghosts, Children, Railroad Track scenario you could definitely check out. And now you have a few personal and highly recommended places to eat during your stay in San Antonio. All right, that is all I have for you tonight on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. I have a Facebook page. And if you are interested or curious and would like to join, send me a request. But in the meantime, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a specific haunted hotel in mind, send me an email at wherethedarkcornersare at gmail.com. But until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Bye.